Maybe they fixed the new line, new line, new line, new line. No, they didn't. New line, new line, new line, new line. There it is. New line, new line, Welcome to Nash Dev, a podcast about software engineering and the Nashville developer community. I'm Corey Elliott, and I'm here with uh, Jason Wondorf. And we are going to talk about accessibility. It took me a second to like remember my name. Right. Some days I have like the problem too. So a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were telling everybody how excited you are uh, for the Lesbian Suit Tech Conference that you were going to go to. So how'd that go? Uh, so it turns out it didn't turn out how I thought it was going to. Um, so I have a neuromuscular disease, and um, it falls under the families of uh, muscular dystrophy. So it's degenerative, um, and when I go very far at all, I use a wheelchair. Um, I can walk. I use forearm crutches for the most part, um, but I can walk unaided a little bit um, and use my wheelchair for anything like grocery store, anything like that. Okay. Um, and so I flew into San Francisco because, of course, it was in San Francisco, um, and I got on the train and headed down to the Castro district, which is where um, they were having the conference. And the first night we were there, it was kind of pre-conference, they had a job fair. Um, And I mean, there were companies like Twitter and eBay and Adobe, uh, Disney, I mean, big companies. Uh, And a lot of people. So we had to split up into three groups. Um, and there were three locations for the job fair. And so it was like scattered across San Francisco or, um, it was scattered across the Castro Castro, district. So Uh there were like, um, one was in like a bar, one was in this open courtyard area and one was in the mezzanine of the Castro theater. And so we went to the courtyard area first and that was fine. It was great. Um, then we go to the mezzanine. My group goes up the mezzanine, and I'm like, cool. Hey, does anyone know where the elevator is? Right. And so after a little while, a couple people looking, people start saying, oh, but it's a historic building. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's awesome, but <laughs> where's the elevator? And it turns out there was none. So that meant that right off the bat, I had a third less opportunity than every other person at the conference. Um, and... That was before the conference even started. Uh, so, wh- like, what is your reaction at this point? Like, how do you feel about it? Um, so, I feel like if somebody had said, hey, all the gay people, a third of those interviewers, you can't see them. All of the women, you can't see a third of these companies. All of the, you know, pick your, insert your minority yeah. or underrepresented population of choice people would have been absolutely outraged. Um, And the initial response from the people around me was kind of, well, you're not missing much. And so it was a little bit, um, I mean, and I didn't, I I didn't want anybody to, you know, get upset. I didn't, I wasn't, at that point, I wasn't necessarily angry or anything. I was more like absolutely flabbergasted because, you know, this is San Francisco. It's, it's cutting edge. And 
of course it's going to be better than Nashville. And so it turns out, <laughs> turns out it was worse than Nashville um, as far as the ability to even get places goes. Um, and uh, so I think that that was, it was kind of shocking at first. Um, and then the first day started out with, you know. So next day the conference starts, is it like, is it like early? Like, um, is it, it was, all day, on all day thing? It is an all day thing. It started at like nine or so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe is that on a weekend? Or so? like yeah. I'm still trying to like feel like. I, I got in like, on a Thursday. Yeah. Okay. And so the job fair was yeah. on Thursday night, I think. And then. And then, yeah, and then it was a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. Um, on Sunday, I didn't go because it was all, like, lesbians who bike, lesbians who climb, <laughs> lesbians who do things that you can't do. Um, so I was like, that sounds like a great idea yeah. to, like, just fly back that day. Um, and I had asked before, I, you know, usually when I am going to a place that I've never been before, I look on a website to see if they have any accessibility information. Um, cause that's super important. Um, right. And like, it's comforting to me to know that, oh, they've at least thought about it. Yeah. Especially if you're going to fly across the country. Right. Right. So I fly 2,500 miles across the country and end up going to a conference that I can't get to hunk <laughs> 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 of. Did you, did you look that number up? Like after, how do you know the distance of San Francisco? Did you just know this distance of San Francisco? Uh, so I'm afraid of flying. Right, okay. So I need to know, like, how many hours I'm going to be, like, no, you're, you're weeping in the about, airplane. Yes, right. Makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so there was some Googling that went on. I don't think it's, I don't think it was exactly 2,000. I, yeah, I want no, to say 2,600, like, but. Sorry. I'm I took engineer. a detour, like, you know. I went to Salt Lake City and then Salt Lake City. To, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so the, the next day after the, um, the uh, job fair debacle, um, I ended up holding the sign for my group and directing people directing traffic sitting at the bottom of the stairs going my team up there that team goes that way um and uh ebay brought me a cookie and some pity swag uh and kind of hung out for a little while and um and it was you know the yeah. first time i think that they realized that oh i thought this was going to be a problem because i got a scholarship right like i was i was there to represent the disabled community um so they knew i was coming um and so i thought for sure that meant that somebody had like you know checked to make sure i could at least get somewhere um so the next morning i was staying in oakland with a friend who also is a wheelchair user and um uh but he uses a power chair and i discovered why everybody in san francisco uses power chairs and that's because if you go down a hill you are never getting back up Right. Like, yeah. I made all of my food choices based on, oh, if I get off on this stop, I can go into a mall directly and there's a food court and I do not have to go up a hill or down a hill because I was worried by myself if I went down a hill, how I would be able to yeah. get back up to the train. Right. Um, And I figured once I got to the conference, I could, you know, like the first night I had people help me. They were going my direction so they were like, oh, I'll push you up the hill. I'm like, thanks, guys. Um, and uh, so anyhow, so I get to the the first BART station. And I push the button for the elevator, and up it comes. And in it is a giant puddle of piss. Um, 
And I was like, cool. Uh, I push my wheels with my hands. And so if I wheel into that elevator, I'm effectively putting my hands in a puddle of elevator pee. Um, and so yeah. I wasn't really sure what to do, but they have this little button next to the elevator and it's like, call for service. Um, so I pushed the button and I, they were like, you know, what can I do for you? <laughs> and I'm like, um, I'm in a, in a wheelchair and there's pee everywhere. Um, and so this really friendly lady comes up with a mop and a bucket and, um, mops out the elevator and pulls from her pocket a wad of surgical gloves and she's like honey these are your piss gloves you're gonna need to wear them from the time that you get into the first station until you get out of the last station where you're going um and I was like oh god <laughs> can I go home now um and and it's just not something I've ever encountered before right um I've never had to brave a biohazard yeah to get from point a to point b um in Nashville, I've got my own car, got my nice handicap placard, got my, <laughs> pop my wheelchair out of the car when I get there, and I'm usually good to go. Um, so that was a very new experience. Um, the first time I got in the train and it took off, I didn't realize it was like, I thought it would be like a calm start, you know, like t- like chugs up a little bit, gets the speed, but no man, it's like poof, instant. Um, and I go flying down the ele- or down the train car because I forgot to put my brakes on. Um, so you got to hold on tight. It was actually really fun and ended up laughing a whole lot and didn't hurt anybody or myself. So that was hilarious. But um, I kind of like broke the stress after the piss glove incident. Um, and so I get to the conference. I go down the hill and there the in the Castro theater, the wheelchair seating is on this platform in the very back. Um, and there's no seats next to you. So I roll up onto the platform and, um, there was an empty wheelchair on one side and nothing on the other. And they start the conference and they're like, everybody, we really like participation. So we want y'all to like turn around and give your neighbor a high five. I look to the right. There's nobody there. I look to the left. There's an empty wheelchair and somebody like awkwardly reaches over from a ways away and we like touch fingertips. Um, and that was like, you know, that's the point at which you're like trying to, to breathe and, and not get upset because you know, you've dealt with piss gloves. Oh, and I couldn't find breakfast because I couldn't get down the hill to get to food. And the one place that I found up top, um, was not I didn't have anywhere I could sit I would have had to been in the aisle and it was full of people and I would have been in the waiter's way um and so it's just like everything is super crowded right um yeah so I gave up I went to three places that I could get to gave up finally I found this coffee stand and I was like I don't really care what you have to eat just give me something um and so I had this empanada in my lap after high-fiving fingertips with somebody and I have scrubbed my hands as much as possible and have bathed in germ gel and I'm trying not to touch anything while I eat this empanada I'm like and then the the next thing they say is everybody stand up and as soon as everybody stands up all I see is like a sea of butts because you know you're at ass level Um, and I can't get up and down and up and down. Um, like if I got something to hang on to, I can get up once, 
Yeah. But like getting up and down is not my forte. Um, and so, um, and there was a lot of up and down action and every time it was just, I don't know, a sea of butts. Yeah, and so kind of in your face, like it, the, the, the metaphor is right. like, it's really explicit. <sighs> yeah. Um, and eventually, uh, uh, and I couldn't get to the other venues in the conference because they were all, all over and downhills and, yeah. um, and I just, I, I didn't have the strength and I didn't know, you know, Nashville's got some hills, but it's not super hilly or anything. Um, and yeah, San Francisco's a little bit different. Right. And I probably overestimate my ability. <laughs> um, maybe we all do that. Yeah, oh. I that. <laughs> and I so that. I was just woefully underprepared for like getting places um and then um they eventually assigned a person a volunteer um to help get me places because it was that bad um and then that helped a whole lot because at least people talked i had somebody to talk to um because that's one another really isolating thing is that people don't want you to think they're like talking to you because they pity you or they're looking at you or I yeah, no, I've experienced this from the other side. It's super awkward. Yeah, like, too. <laughs> you don't, you don't know like, what to do. And so right. people don't. And so yeah. here's this conference full of all these people. Everybody's making friends. They're, you know, talking to everybody around them, but not me. Um, and it was incredibly isolating. Um, and so uh, I eventually just burst out in tears like ugly crying um just and and i tried really hard not to uh and i'm a pretty tough person so it's not my mo um but like it was just a combination of all the little things and it finally was just like you know i just i want to come home i came 2000 plus miles on an airplane that i'm terrified of and made this epic journey by myself to feel more disabled and more isolated than I have ever felt as a person with a disability. Did you talk to the, um, did, did you ever talk to the conference organizers about like the whole thing? Like after the fact maybe? Or? Yeah. Um, so the last day, one of the conference organizers had a, a talk in one of the, um, the places that I hadn't been yet. And, uh, I, uh, in the middle of it, I had to go to the bathroom. And a lot of times if you have like neurological damage, you have like three seconds. You go from like, oh, I think I have to pee to, oh my God, I got to go right now. Um, uh -huh. And so, and that's very common with, you know, spinal cord injuries or any kind of neuromuscular issues. Um, and so I had to, um, the bathrooms were blocked by the seating. And so I had to like, hey, could you, could you move? I gotta go, you know, hey, could you? And finally somebody saw what I was trying to do and um, they cleared a path and I got to the bathroom and I get in there and it's not acceptable. And I was like, that's cool, I can walk. So I'll just yeah. like find a way to wedge my chair in here, shut the door. And so I wedge my chair in and somebody from outside had to shut the door. And you know, I make it in, use the bathroom, get up. And then I realize I would have to like climb the stall. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm sitting in the bathroom, like yelling to see if somebody would like come extricate me from the toilet, um, which was really embarrassing. And that's the point at which I came out. And um, I'm like all told that probably took about 15 minutes. Um, so I missed a large part of that. Uh, 
that talk and um afterwards you know she was like it's pretty bad and I was like yeah I just got stuck in the bathroom for 15 minutes so it's like you know not something that I would expect um and I was like I'll I'll send you an email um and so I wrote up a pretty epically long email I think it was like 3,000 characters um, <laughs> or maybe 3,000 words. I don't know. It was really long. Um, and uh, I think that it made an impact, but I also didn't get a whole lot of feedback back. Um, I think they realized that they have a lot of work to do to either make the venue accessible um, or, you know, pick a different venue that is accessible. Right. I mean, the so... <laughs> when you told me about this initially, like I, I have to admit, I'm thinking about it like from the other end, like having organized a few events, not nothing the size of Lesbian Tech, but uh, just little things. Um, that, oh gosh, doing I can't imagine like fixing the venue. You just have to go to a completely different venue, right? Because it, I mean, as as the organizer, you know, you've got. You know, you're you're mostly you're you're worrying about making sure people have food, right, and making sure <laughs> that it's safe, making sure that like your organization isn't going to get sued, and then making sure that you know you just have a lot of things, right? Right. Um, it, it it is like organizing a conference is a million things. Um, to so, like to say nothing of like actually making sure there's anything there that people want to see, right? <laughs> right. Um, every event organizer wants to do a good job with um with accessibility with everything, right? And also like. Nobody knows this stuff until they hear the story, right? I think experiencing it, um, you know, Lisa, who does the podcast with mm-hmm. us, um, she was also at the same conference. And mm-hmm. um, one night we had dinner together and, um, or I don't know, we ended up going back the same way and her hotel was on the way. Um, I, I was staying in Oakland. Um, and uh, so she was like, oh, I'll go with you. Uh, I'll help you up to the train station and, you know, we can at least go half of your way together. And yeah. I was like, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it involved going down creepy corridors because the elevators in the train yep. system are like down these super long, creepy hallways with like storage racks and stuff on the sides and usually like a body sleeping. Yes, um, good. <clears throat> and then um, we had to avoid pee puddles and um ride in an elevator full of piss and yes it sounds like that would be pretty eye-opening it was and then it was stuff she was like i i just had never she's like i had no idea you're having a totally different experience than i have ever had and i think she's been to all of them um and so uh it's definitely you know you just don't realize what that's like until you have experienced it um and i mean i wouldn't have even Right, I mean, it sounds like like a lot of it caught you by surprise too. Right, yeah, like the I mean, like the worst that I've ever had happen in Nashville um, was there was an elevator that was locked, and some guy was like, "Well, guess you're gonna have to use the stairs," and I'm like, "Thanks." Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I I mean, that does sound a little bit more like Nashville, right? The the Uh, rest, the fellows of pee in the in the elevator. Right, and then sometimes you know, like. I think my disability is pretty obvious. I mean, I have giant space braces on my legs. They're pretty, and I walk funny, and, 
you know. But some people, I guess, think I just got swagger or something. I don't know. Uh, well, that's what I, that's what I always figured. Yeah. <laughs> somebody at work. You do. Somebody was work is like, oh, I just thought those were a fashion statement. <laughs> like, some. Pretty... It's not that it's not that I consciously thought about it and thought it was a fashion statement. It's just like, oh yeah, it fits. Mm-hmm. Like it just kind of kind of flew under the radar. It goes fine. Yeah. Uh, my last pair of braces were uh, the white plastic kind, and I got tired of everybody going. Oh, my grandpa has those. Uh, so I told my orthodontist, I was like, look, dude, make them as functional as possible, but also I need them to not look like grandpa's. And uh, so he threw this book of patterns at me and was like, pick pick something garish. <laughs> so I picked <laughs> outer space. So like my braces are, um, they're carbon fiber braces. They go up the sides of my, they go on in my shoes and up the sides of my ankles and the back of my calf. And about halfway up my shin, they wrap around the front as well. And they Velcro on and they go all the way up to, um, I wear knee socks and they're usually about knee sock height. Um, And they have pink and yellow and blue and purple. They are a fashion statement. Space theme. Um, And they do not look like grandpa's. No. So, success. Although when I'm a grandpa, they're they're totally going to look like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nash Dev Podcast. Nash Dev Podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor IBM API Connect. <laughs> Nash Dev Podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor IBM API Connect. IBM API Connect is a modern API management solution that will get your APIs up running quickly so you can focus on your app. Oh, and one more thing. If you would like to sponsor the show, please visit nashdevcast.com slash sponsor. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so so sometimes disabilities are not apparent, even if you think they are, I guess. Um, and so to say, to respond to somebody with like, well, guess you're going to have to use the elevator is really like, I would love, or guess you'll have to use the stairs. You know, I'd love to be able to use the stairs. But like, for me, that means that, you know. A, it's a little bit undignified to haul myself upstairs. I can I can do it if I've got a handrail and, but it's gonna look awkward. It's gonna look ridiculous. People are gonna stare, and then usually later I have a lot of nerve damage, and so it makes it really painful. Um, and so um, everything I do physically has a equal and opposite pain reaction. Um, and so I don't know. I, I guess I would say too. Uh, try to treat people with a little bit of respect when it comes to that sort of thing because you don't really know what all is involved. If they're looking for an elevator, you know, if you're going to judge, judge silently in your head. And better to just not judge at all, but keep it to yourself um, because that can be uh, painful. Nobody wants to be disabled. Nobody wants to be the awkward kid. I would love to be able to, like, run up a flight of stairs walk around in the grocery store anything really my my bar would be low there (laughs) um but yeah like we're writing the technology that people can use to do the things and without our experiences right like so just like you wouldn't think to even think of the things that i experienced at this conference 
the whole world is like that, right? Like if I get to a parking place and it's a handicapped parking place and it doesn't have a ramp next to it, I can't use it because I can't get my chair in and out. So what's the point of having that space anyway? Well, you wouldn't think that because you haven't gone, oh, I need X amount of space to get out. So you have to be the person that experiences this stuff in order to know exactly how to adapt it. So somebody who is deaf, they're going to know exactly what you need, like as far as sign language interpretation or transcription goes to make something accessible. Somebody who is blind is going to know exactly what they need to function in their technology or in any kind of technological space, Um, like across the web, you know, accessibility is not super difficult, but we don't do it. Yeah, I I think, so I wanted wanted to talk a little bit about this in the second half of the show. So we, um, I I certainly don't know much about about accessibility and computers, but I learned a little bit because of of the email you sent me. Um, I was looking at like, I was just wondering, like, what what are what are the what are the what are the um, like? First of all, like, what are the who are the who are the people that w- we need to worry about? Like, when you're building a website or when you're you know just writing any kind of program for a computer. Um, in uh, like last year, late, late last year, uh, UC Berkeley had a bunch of courseware up. They had a ton of like lectures, like twenty thousand lectures, university lectures uh, that they were offering on their website for free for everybody. Um, they got a letter from the Department of Justice saying, by the way, you know, like we we got some complaints about your website um, and how it's like this material is not accessible. Uh, and we found, you know, these seven problems with like th- th- like cross cutting problems across the entire body of work. Um, and UC Berkeley like looked at it. Uh, they said oh, it's too expensive to fix this. And they took it all down. Right, so like and the able-bodied people got really that. upset because they were like, "Why take the free content from us when it was just fine?" Yeah, missing the point. Which I kind of get that side, but I at the same time, I see the flip side. Right, like that. Yeah, if it, you were like, "This is not content that's available to dudes," would it be upsetting? Like, if you're a guy, you cannot see this. You cannot use this. This is not content for you. Well. That that it ever happens. Yeah, that never, that never happens. <laughs> exactly. like, it's hard for me to say. <laughs> um, no, like, literally everything's accessible to me. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't, I, uh. But I, I think do, that's why I people do do. don't find it problematic, right? Like, they've never experienced that type of discrimination or they've never had content that is unavailable to them i mean, i don't know if i don't know if the department of justice ever sends out one of these letters expecting like thousands of free things to be taken down like i think that usually what happens is you know you get a letter from the feds and you're like oh shit i better i better go fix the, fix my stuff um and it's usually stuff is usually fairly I don't know. I want to say fairly cheap to remediate, right? Like you, you can you can pay somebody to do closed captioning for yeah. your right. For your and videos. I feel like people would have voluntarily um, done it in this case. Yeah, I mean, it it, may, it might have cost like half a million dollars to do that part, right? For the for the entire thing. Um, and if if it was that, it's hard for me to imagine like being like university president saying, "No, we're just going to 
turn it off for everybody because we don't like being told what to do. Pack like, up it, our toys. This feels kind of petty, right? Yeah. Um, but it, there was more to it than that. There were other. Uh, there. So I, I, I actually I started looking into it, and um, I don't know. I ended up really in a totally ambivalent place, right, about this. So first of all, I, I think that almost all of us develop inaccessible websites, um, and so I think it would be cool to just talk about like what what it is for a blind person to even use a website right. or use a computer at all. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but just, it, I mean, I think just in general, I think the place that Berkeley's at is like, we are going to be developing a ton of new free content over the next couple of years. It's eventually going to dwarf the, what exists. What, what exists. And so it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to go back. Uh, we'll just, you know, we'll just have people do it over and it, it'll be fine. We're going to do that anyway. Um, and we'll do better the second time around. Uh, and, you know, that's, I, th- I mean, I think it's kind of a good outcome, right? If right. The, like, and especially since uh, content that's accessible is better for everybody. It's not just better for people who have, like, some kind of disability. Um, but, yeah, I can see both sides on this, but, like, this one thing, right? Um, but, you know, but for the most part, like, our entire society, like, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the point of it was across everything like if you if you have a business if, you know if you have a um a, just a, just a, like a government institution it's going to be accessible it's going to be accessible to everybody because that's who we are right? that's what we value um and you know that 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 makes hard cases everywhere like actually enforcing that is going to be tough a lot So, uh, so, so anyway, like one of the first things I did when I started looking into this is I started looking for a a screen reader because I know that, um, or I like kind of abstractly knew that if you're blind and you use a computer, um, since you cannot see the screen, (laughs) you have trouble like knowing what's on it. Um, so there's software that, that reads to you. Um, so I found out there's, there's a screen reader built into the Mac and I'm just going to turn it on real quick. I've got got my Mac uh, MacBook in front of me, and I'm just going to like turn on. It's called Voiceover. Let's see. Voiceover on Emacs. Number number. What using the screen reader is terminal Firefox night nightly software update window restart nightly <laughs> has keyboard. Oh, focus. I have an update. You are currently okay. on a button so the thing, inside of a window. So the main to click per <laughs> vertical line Firefox dead um, slack window browser tabs nightly has new window. You are currently on a Twitter um, item hang on a second. voiceover off. Okay, I had to turn it <laughs> off because, like, the first thing you learn about voice, voiceover is it does not shut up. It, like, <laughs> talks a mile a minute and it talks all the time. And it's actually, like, I had it turned to be slower than it usually is because it usually talks really fast. Yeah, mine was super fast. Um, that, okay. <laughs> so could you tell what was on my screen? Uh, uh, something called Nightly. Yeah, that's that's the nightly version. That's the nightly build of Firefox. Okay. Like every every day the latest stuff. I get. And you were on a button at some point. I was on a button. <laughs> or you are it, it tells you what you're what you're actually focused on, where the keyboard focus is. So with the over on nightly, subtyping and variance window, browser tabs. Yeah, I'm on the I'm you like focused on the browser on tabs. Item you are on a toolbar item group. palette. Oh my to god. I just, I just like really I just can't stand it. <laughs> you um, can change the default it voice. Stressful. <laughs> and you can you can like adjust the verbosity and stuff. Uh, but the really interesting thing to me is is how you navigate this thing. So 
when you use voiceover, there's a special, like the caps lock key is the voiceover key. And it's kind of like the control key. It combines with every other key on your keyboard to do something. Um, and so if you use like caps lock arrow keys, that's navigating. And it just like moves the keyboard focus up and down and left and right. Um, and it causes voiceover to like tell you what you moved to. So if you're really good and you listen really, really closely, you can kind of get a physical model of like where things where things are uh, without you know without being able to see it. Um, but it's still kind of tough, um, especially if you're trying to navigate a website that has just a ton of information on it, like pages and pages. Um, it, I just found it really hard so, like, to navigate. Let's roll back to um, the most bare bones thing I can think of, yeah. right? Which is like, I can navigate my terminal with very little thought. Yeah. Right? So in my brain, something as bare bones as a terminal would be a, the lowest bar. That's like, that's the simplest possible thing, right? Like literally there's... there's a line uh, of text. <laughs> right. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's linear. Like, you give a command to the computer. You know, you hit enter. It's like you talking to the computer, and the computer talks back to you for a little while, and it gives you another prompt. That's, that's it. That's, yeah. It's just like a conversation, right? So it should be perfect. Uh, so here's what it sounds like going to uh, terminal. 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 Gecko. Bash. 204 times 58. Window. 204 times. Bash. Login. What? Wednesday, April 513. I was reading the entire screen. 24-C-L-A-R-C-E-A-R. New line. Gecko dollar clear. New line. New line. New line. New line. This is what it's like using terminal. New line. New line. I can't believe it. This is slash dev slash gecko dollar. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, I turned it off and it wouldn't turn off immediately. Ah, it's so frustrating. On mine, I have to do it like three or four times to get it to actually do it. So I, there is, um, a guy who works in the in Mozilla's Toronto office who's blind, and he, he's he's a hacker. He works on computers. That's all. You know, it's what he does. Um, and actually, actually, you were talking earlier about jobs, like working, working, like jobs you can do. Um, and you were also talking about how if you have a disability, then you know what people with that disability need. Um, what he told me is like he really hates being like the accessibility guy. Right. And I'm sh- I can just like instantly sympathize with that, right? Um, because you end up you're educating everybody around yep. you, and like some people mind it, some people don't. Like if you want to ask me questions, go for it because I'm not going to get offended. But like, there are a lot of people that I mean, it gets day, old every sure. day, yeah. And people and, do not ask just you know how do you navigate this. They ask all kinds of questions like, do you, are you able to poop normally? I was at a dinner. And somebody was like, do you have bowel control? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, how about you? Do you have bowel control? <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's it, it's more than just those questions. It snowballs. Well, I'm so glad I've like, never <laughs> been on the receiving end of your like conversation. <laughs> judo capabilities. <laughs> just wait until people ask me as a lesbian how my children happened. I'm like, what about yours? Oh, the normal way. So how, what is the normal way? I'm not really sure how that works. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you end up educating everybody around yep. you. And it gets old. Well, I mean, I I cornered him and asked yeah. him about accessibility. Like, I, did, I just didn't know what else to do. Right. Um, because, because my Google food was just not up to it. I could not. For one thing, 
for one thing, like if you read about accessibility, you'll 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 hear um, that you'll read that every program, and I'm not talking about programs like Terminal. I'm talking about stuff like a web browser that has some some user interface to it, right? They have what's called an accessibility tree. Uh, now, if you build websites, you know there's a DOM tree inside your website that's like the hierarchy of all the stuff that's on the on the page. Um, well, the accessibility tree is kind of the same thing, except it's completely invisible. Like as a as a fully Gooey user, yeah, yeah, as a, like a mouse user, a mouse pointer, a person, clickety click, and not a, a typey type. Person, type. <laughs> then you 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 never see it. Um, uh, but it's there implicitly, and that's what screen readers actually talk to. When a screen uh, when you use a screen reader, it's not um, uh, it's it's not like magically using the mouse for you or something like that, right? It's actually talking to like some underlying data structure that is the data structure of the app. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, but the problem is that sounds totally reasonable until you actually try and use the tool. And then like navigating that hierarchy is so, it requires you to keep so much in your head and it requires you to think while a voice is talking at you a mile a minute nonstop. Um, and I, you know, wow. <laughs> like I just really wanted to talk to him and just say, is that really what it's like? Um, you know, just like a, a question I hate to ask, but I just had I had a had an and and I I think part of the part of the answer is you get used to it, and then part of the answer is he just hates voiceover. <laughs> he never got used to it at all, and so he uses the like the equivalent for uh, for Linux, which he says is a lot better. Um, but gosh, it sounds tough. Well, but if you think about it, so I have. Uh, a, an O'Reilly book about web accessibility. I got it for free. And it's like the smallest O'Reilly book I have ever seen. Uh, it's like barely more than a handbook. Yeah. Um, it doesn't even really have like a flat binding on the outside. It is literally like a it's couple like a of pages stapled together, folded in half. Um, because accessibility is that simple. It's mostly not doing things. Right. right, like it's mostly like don't screw it up because accessibility is built into a lot of the building blocks of the web. Right, and and then what do we do? Oh, we just we import a ton of JavaScript and screw it all up. Yeah, like first chance we get. Yeah. So, so like, I, I looked into this too. <laughs> yeah, I mean that information <laughs> is available. It is super simple, and we just don't ever do it. We don't think about that population. Well, yeah, I mean we're gonna have to because yeah. the 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 ADA. As it's currently understood, um, the way the government's treating it right now is it applies. First of all, it applies to everybody. It applies to all businesses, and it requires you. It requires your anything that your um, your business offers online uh, to be accessible to people who are blind, people who are vision impaired, uh, deaf, people who have trouble aiming a mouse, right? And the fact is, if you, like, if you get, if you make your website better for those groups of people, you're making it better for everybody. Absolutely. Um, just let me think about, uh, you know, do you ever watch videos with closed captions on? I well, always watch everybody videos does. with closed <laughs> captions. On. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, this technology was invented um, so that you know, deaf people could have a chance to watch TV. And uh, and it's good for everybody. It's like it's right, great. absolutely. I get pissed off uh, on Facebook when they have those uh, videos that autoplay. If they do not have captions, um, I get irrationally angry and just scroll past them. And not because I can't 
turn on the volume and hear them, but because I don't want to turn on the volume and hear right. them, I just want to read them. No, but like, like all the there, there is there's a like a web standard, web web content accessibility guidelines or something like that. That's just that's basically how like be. the twenty five bullet points that you need to know. Um, and we should put a link on the website. Absolutely. But it's like it's it's common sense stuff once you hear it, right? Like for example, don't use pictures of text because pictures are hard for your computer to present to a blind person. So use text when using text. Yes. Um, uh, d don't don't do anything that would like interfere with the browser zooming in, because people who can't see as well as you are going to zoom in on your website so they can read it. I totally because do you that. use that yeah. six point text. I hate that. Actually, I hate that myself. Um, uh, you know, make your site keyboard friendly. Well, like built into HTML, everything's keyboard friendly. It's just it's only if you use some JavaScript package for a progress bar or like for for a slider or something um, that's like drawing it all on a canvas. Like it's you have to go out of your way to include something that's not keyboard friendly. So don't do that. Um, don't impose time limits on people. This is my favorite one because like <laughs> stop pressuring me. <laughs> I know, like how how much do you have to hate your users, no matter who they are, to like impose time limits? No, but you see this all the time. Like, Absolutely. You sign up on a form, and they're like, you have eight minutes to complete this form. And I'm like, crap, what if I don't know the answers? What if it changes? What if I have to go get something out of my wallet? What if I don't know where my wallet is? And then when it resets inevitably, and like, because it doesn't tell you until it's finished, you know, you go hit enter after yeah. you've passed that well, eight minute mark or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, like, to their account, I, I don't want to see the ticking like time bomb timer either. Too much pressure. That's even worse. I'm like, ah, seven minutes, 34 seconds. Ah. Right. But like, think if you were navigating all of that with, so there's a technology called sip and puff, right? Like, yeah. so if you're paralyzed and the only movement that you have is facial movement, you can control, um, a lot of people use eye gaze or like mm -hmm. a, a a mouse that uses like a laser pointer um but you can also navigate things with like a sip and puff which you know if you're going through your texts on your phone and you're using one finger to type and you're that slow can you imagine if you were having to go through that keyboard with like sip hard in push hard out sip medium in yeah you know like that takes a lot of time I'd actually like as <laughs> and as soon as you said phone i was thinking like oh yeah that's actually really bad too Right. Like, it's also a nightmare. It's like trying to fill something in in eight minutes. Right. So yeah, these are just like common sense things for everybody. But there are some like this is I, I want to make this point too because there are some things that you have to do to make content accessible that is actual work that you have to that that goes on top of everything else. Like when you have a picture, you need a text description of it for the blind. Um, and especially when you have a graph, this is the tough one. Like if you have a graph of data on a website, making a text description of that is really hard. Is graphs auto-generated? Well, what do you, what do you, how do you auto-generate a description of like a really important graph that shows you know your website's uptime or something? Yeah. That's tough. Like you have to think about it. Um, uh, audio descriptions for video. So you need closed captioning, obviously, for anything that has sounds. Um, but you also need descriptions of, of anything that's visual, of any content that's visual. Um, and that can be tough when there's video. 
um, and I think I think it's I think it's this stuff. Um, I mean, I don't I don't know. I can't I can't really quite figure out what Berkeley was thinking, but I think it's it's that the initial complaint was about lots of different things and lots of different problems this content had. Um, that made Berkeley reluctant to even try and comply. The other thing was that it was made by like hundreds of different professors and they and, and some of this stuff, like for example, getting the text for slides that appear in a video, right. they would have actually had to go back and find all those professors and like, okay, do you have your slides from 2014? Like that's really hard. Right. So where does that leave us? That we acknowledge that we need to do yeah, I mean, I just think like it's and that the bar's pretty low. <laughs> crazy that that as a web developer, or like as as a for me, I was a former web developer, but as as somebody who like at least knows HTML and CSS, that I I didn't know any of this stuff. All of that I think just points out that there's a reason. A lot of people have worked really hard to make it to make the web accessible by default, and to make it so that like you can make your website accessible. And easily. Um, yeah, and it makes it better for everybody. And that it's important to uh, make sure that it's accessible to everybody because that barrier-free gives people the ability to um, own their own existence, be independent, do the things that they want to do, and not have to rely on other people. Yeah, and I hope, I hope, I hope screen readers like are the kind of thing that. It's just a high investment, and that once you get into it, they're really, really good. I hope that's the case, because for me, like trying to use it, spending like an hour, like trying to get good at it, it was really bad, <laughs> and the <laughs> internet is really bad. <laughs> so, but I wish that I think the as as somebody that is in the disabled community, I think I really wish that people looked at these things in a different way, and instead of being like. Ugh, I have to find a key for that elevator for you. This is such a pain in the ass. Um, that maybe they could change the way that they view that and say, wow, you know, it's pretty cool that it's super convenient for me to run up those stairs. Let me give you at least an equally convenient um, experience um, and not... I don't want to inconvenience people and it makes it really hard when people's response to wanting basic access or um, an equal experience is oh, what an inconvenience because like what an inconvenience a lot of things are for me and you don't have to experience those every day and I do and <laughs> and so um, I just wish that people had a different attitude towards people asking for accessibility and just even basic accessibility like it's not an inconvenience you haven't experienced inconvenience so please <laughs> <laughs> please be kind <laughs> okay well thanks for talking about about your experience <laughs> let's let's do that let's adjourn to like we're gonna eat cookies cookie. guys we gotta go <laughs> <laughs> later bye <laughs> This podcast has been a production of Relationary Marketing, produced by Clark Buckner, and funded by IBM API Connect. To get in contact with us, go to nashdevcast.com or nashdevcast on Twitter.
Thanks for listening.